The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Joined by a very special guest today is Seth Walter with ESPN Analytics is on the podcast to talk about the interesting case of the Dallas Cowboys and the analytics and metrics that we're going to go through today, I think, are going to be very, very surprising and very interesting. So that's why I wanted to have him on because I, I said this in the green room before we brought him on, but I think the Cowboys are one of the most interesting teams in the NFL right now because of the offensive and defensive results and metrics. So, uh, Seth, welcome. Thanks. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of your work, so I was, was excited to have you on. I mean, it's big as analytics have gotten in the last like four or five, six years, you know, a lot of it can be very confusing. And one thing I appreciate with what you do and what you guys do over at ESPNs is that it's not hard to understand. There's some of this stuff where you're looking at a chart, you're, you're trying to figure it out, but you guys, you guys, you guys dumb it down for the dummies like me that can get the gist of it, but also understand what I'm looking at. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's, that's really nice. That's what we try to do to some degree, not the dumbing down, but if it makes you feel better. Like, you know, I'm the dumb person in our group, right? Like, you know, they have to dumb it down for me. And so, uh, so I, 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 I do, we do try to make it as digestible as possible. You know, the goal is, I mean, we definitely sometimes get stuck in like esoteric in stuff in the weeds. And I do like that, but you know, ultimately it's not going to get on sports center if it's like crazy right. complicated and no one can no one has any idea what the heck we're talking about and that's the that's the cool thing i think you guys do because it's just the casual football fan i mean you know this more than me but like a lot of casual football fans hate analytics you know it's like the last thing they want to see so if it's if it's not what they want to see and then it's confusing to understand it's just like it's very off-putting but you make it to where it's like oh, okay i can understand how this means that and this means that so that's that's one thing i appreciate because i'm terrible with stuff like this with charts and stuff so i just i love being able to look at something and go okay i get what that means and you guys do a fantastic job at that that's but cool yeah we're always you know we're always just we're talking football ultimately right. like at the end of the day like that's what i think is like what makes it all work is like ultimately we're just trying to talk about football right and, and everybody <laughs> right. likes that 
My first question for you, and this is not related to the Cowboys at all, but I just I, I'm curious for somebody who does this for a living is what is the most controversial analytic that you know metric, whatever it is. You know, some people will talk about coverage stuff or pass rush win rate or pass block. Like, what's the one that you get like people getting the most arguments about that goes, that makes no sense to me. Like, explain this to me more. Ooh controversial controversial i'm trying to think what's like you know like which metric is like regularly controversial in cowboys land i'll tell you this in cowboys land it's pass rush win rate people yeah, think okay. marcus lawrence is useless and they always just go i don't care about his pass rush win rate what's his, how many sacks does he have so in our in our universe it's definitely that one. <laughs> i i do think the win rates do cause <clears throat> Some controversy because they don't they don't always line up with sacks, but and I think right. I think that's true on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, right? I think people think when a quarterback takes a lot of sacks that it's on the offensive line, which sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. And so I do think that the the misalignment sometimes with sacks does cause. Yeah, it does cause some controversy because people it the sacks is their starting point. Right. And I think what I always try and say is like, what if sacks isn't our starting point? Right. right. Like, you know, um, with Lawrence, I think it's interesting because he's been that's like I, I don't want to say throughout his career because long, but like throughout the existence of the win rates, Lawrence has consistently been a guy that has overperformed in, in pass rush win rate relative to his sack numbers. There are players like that. Um, like Genevieve Clowney is one that comes to mind for me all the time, who has always had a good uh, pass rush win rate, at, maybe outside of that year in Tennessee, and and rarely puts up big sack numbers. I think it's like both things can be true. It doesn't, they're not they're not necessarily in conflict with one another. With guys like Lawrence or Clowney, I think what it's telling us is they're winning on a play-to-play level at a really high rate. Uh, they're winning early on those pass rushes. Um, and maybe I think they are not performing in what I would think of as like the second half of the pass rush. Like actually, yeah. I think that actually finishing the sack is a skill in and of itself. And so, yeah, maybe you have guys like Lawrence and Clowney who don't do that and they would be better if they could, if they, right. if they did get those sacks, but it, it's just because they don't get the sacks doesn't mean they're not super valuable. There's lots of evidence that we know of besides, or like, it's obvious, right? If you, if you generate pressure, you're going to get better results on defense, but the numbers bear that out too. And so if you have a guy like Clowney, you have a guy like Lawrence who are able to, to get those pass rush wins uh, that helps the defense. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think I always go back to when I'm fighting the, I love DeMarcus Lawrence, one of my favorite players, you know, to watch. But my thing too is, you know, it's not his fault that the quarterback gets the ball out two tenths of a second before he sacks him. You know, like that's the other part of the equation where the tape then comes into it when we give these guys grades or we're talking about who's, who's successful, who's not, is we're not taking that pass rush win rate and going, this player is great, this player sucks, because there's so much more to it. You know, it's watching the tape and going, okay, yeah, he won on that pass rush, but Tom Brady got the ball off in 1.6 seconds. Like, there's nothing he could have done different there, but he won his rep. And I think that that's, that's just the, the, 
great divide that I don't understand how people can't use the analytics, use these metrics and use the tape and go, these players are, you know, we can use this to say who's efficient on a staff to staff basis and how we can plan for this to end up working out better in the long run with, with more of a larger sample size. I agree though. I, on a, on a like given snap, you know, maybe I think there's lots of times when you can say like, Hey, he won that. There's nothing he could have done. Right. Um, But for, when it becomes systematic for some of these guys where their sack numbers don't reflect, I think that we can probably guess sure. that there is something they're not doing. Um, and I'm not skilled enough to tell you what that, what exactly right. that is, but, um, but yeah, but you're right. I mean, like the quarterbacks, that is the total other side of, of it. And I think how well a quarterback is able to get the ball out or, just under just feel when pressure is coming to get rid of the ball or move within the pocket um, to avoid the sack. Like that is very much a quarterback skill. We know that quarterbacks drive their sack rates a lot. And so I think that is the, a big thing that are, is often, often missed quarterbacks play such a central role in, in sack production. So before we get to the hot topic in Cowboys country right now, I wanted to, uh, stay on the pass rushers you know Michael Parsons is a guy who has the sacks he has the pass rush run rates like I mean I know the chart you guys posted after the Giants game he was he was in a stratosphere of his own you know he's seeing a decent amount of double teams but also winning on pass rushes and I mean I just want to get your thoughts on Michael Parsons and can he I mean because that that was a thing coming into year two of him is it was like okay he was absolutely phenomenal in year one but can he back that up in year two and so far he has, but is, you know, is a career outlook thing is, do you think this is something that he can continue to do because he's proven through these first, what, 20 games that he can? Yeah. I mean, to me, he's like truly special talent. I, I, how could, how could you not? I mean, he led the league in pass rush win rate last year. I think there are some advantage, like you have some circumstantial advantages that helped him. Uh, when you're a blitzing linebacker, that's easier um, to to get a win sometimes. And that's not to say he was always doing that, but he's doing that more than your standard edge rusher, obviously. Um, but still, like tremendous production there. And then this year, yeah, comes out of the gates just like unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, we had a stat. He posted a 50-plus percent pass rush win rate in the first two games of the year. And there's only been like five guys who have ever done that posted back-to-back games. Um, and I, yeah, I was really, I, you know, I was watching close for week three to see if he would do it. And then that, that was good when he really had that uh, kind of down week. Um, and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't close, but I think it, he's just been unbelievable. Like, like truly, truly incredible. Uh, and and just like what a weapon Dallas has found. He's number two. He's he's fallen behind Von Miller. Um, but you know we're talking again about a guy that was it's in his second year, wasn't drafted as a pure edge rusher, didn't play pure edge rush as a pure edge rusher last year, and is just dominating in a way where we're you know in win rate he's ahead of Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa and um, like. <laughs> It's it's incredible. It's incredible stuff. So yeah, I think Parsons' career outlook is unbelievable. He's I right. mean, he's incredible. You you think based on you know the information you you guys generate and what you see 
Is he the best defensive player in the NFL right now? Yeah. I, f- I, think, I feel like it comes between him and Aaron Donald. I mean, that's um I to me, like if you asked me, I would pick Donald right now. Um because I mean Donald's insane. That chart that I show for <laughs> edge rushers, um, like the that's just Donald's chart forever uh, in as de- defensive tackle. And then if you smush them together, like you have to understand that like Donald's circumstances are just totally right. different from an edge rusher. He's getting doubled um, probably, you know, two and a half times like what, uh, what, what even like miles Garrett who gets doubled a lot is, is uh, and uh, so it's, He's just like, let me put it this way. We've had pass rush win rate for five seasons. Aaron Donald, no one's best season at defensive tackle has been as good as Aaron Donald's worst season at defensive tackle in that span. That's insane. Like, that's truly nuts. Um, He actually is like, it's week, you know, only week four. He just actually fell behind Chris Jones in pass rush win rate, which is almost, you know, it's like notable, like, oh my God, he's not number one. Um, So, yeah, like you just like you just can't see like that kind of consistency is absurd. And one of the reasons why it blows my mind so much is like, what I like about these metrics is um, they're not perfect. I would, I would, I would tell you that I would tell you that always, but what they are is consistent and objective. Right. There is no, it doesn't know the model doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. It doesn't right. know about his uh, defensive player of the years or all pros. It doesn't know that he's, a future hall of famer, a special, like whatever. It just knows that dot number 99 gets past his man more than anybody else. And that's, that's true. Every snap there's no, so there's no, like he doesn't get any superstar benefit of the doubt. And yet every single year he blows everyone else away. And so to me, that's so amazing. You just like, when you just don't see consistency in football statistics that way. So yeah, I would choose Donald right now. Um, but I'm just trying to like rack my brain here make sure I'm not, but yeah, I would choose Parsons second. And, and that, I mean, can we just like, you can make the argument, Aaron Donald's the most disruptive defensive player to ever play. You know, you can make the argument. I'm not saying he is, but you can make that argument and we're 20 games into Micah Parsons and he's in the conversation. So I think that that speaks to itself as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I actually like, you know, what's funny is like with, with NFL players and I don't know what you call it, like the hype cycle or something like when young players are elite, we actually don't put them in the upper tier fast enough. I think right. like Justin Jefferson's rookie season was insane. And right. yet, you know, there's the kind of like holding back, I think where you need to, and it's like, no, no, no. When players are truly yeah. remarkable, like throw them up there. And, and we're slow on the other end too. Like, you know, when players decline, uh, you know, they, they, we don't talk about that as, as, as quickly enough, but yeah, I actually think it's funny, like in, in our, you know, where we think about everyone, like always jumping to conclusions or hyperbole, but I do think that a lot of times you get rookies or something who or rookies or second year players who are just unbelievable and it takes until their third or fourth year before they're considered like oh the best at their position or something like that when it really happens earlier gotcha so one more question on these pass rushers and then we'll move on um we talked about demarcus Lawrence, talking about michael parsons 
Dorrance Armstrong, I know, is high on you, you guys' list as well as far as pass rush run rate. I don't really want to talk about Dorrance Armstrong because I think he, you know, he's been a good player and, and really like what he's been doing this year. How much, and this is more a question for you guys' system and, and the way you guys do things, but how much does a guy like Dan Quinn and the way he schemes up some of these pressures and rushes, how much does that help a guy like Dorrance Armstrong where you, you know, the way he kind of sends some exotic looks pre-snap and it change, you know, it allows guys in better positions to win off the ball quicker, I guess is my question. Is, is that, is there an influence from these coordinators that can help these guys that will make them look maybe a little bit better in your guys' model than they really are? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of fact, I, I think there are a lot of schematic factors that are, play a role in someone's win rate. So like um, one gap teams versus two gap teams. Like I I think because win rates are so focused on the early part of the pass rush, being in a one gap uh, system is better or like quote unquote better. It helps your win rate more. Um, If you are in a team that stunts a lot, um, like new Orleans uh, I think that hurts you because it's slower. So like it might be effective, but you're just not going to win as quickly. Um, And then if you're coming, if you're in a situation where you're with a team that's doing a lot of exotic blitzes, I think that generally um, is going to help you because more pass rushers just means right. Fewer double teams, more confusion. You're just, it's just going to help. So um, teams that blitz a lot in general, actually, regardless, it, it, it does help. So I think we've talked for a long time about uh, maybe we do some sort of like adjusted pass rush win rate where we try and control for some of those factors. And and one day maybe, you know, hopefully we would, we'll get to it. But I think that all those circumstances uh, do matter. And also, by the way, playing with um, playing with other good players right. helps too. Like, uh, it, it certain it certainly does. I think it definitely helps from a sack perspective, um, but I think it helps from a win rate perspective too because you're just you're just getting less attention. Um, right. And so maybe maybe the doubles helps correct for that. You know, if you're if you're controlling for double teams, it helps correct for that. But yeah, I, I think I think there are definitely schematic factors that can matter. The one the one play I was thinking of when I asked that question was the Micah sack against Lyle Collins against the Bengals in week two. It just unblocked off the edge, but he was lined up like right over him. And they, the way they had stacked the the a, you know the A and the B gap, he's kind of Lyle slid down to kind of double Demarcus Lawrence, I think it was at the time. And Mark Michael was like, "Yeah, this is going to be the easiest sack of my life." So it's it's just you know again that goes in as a win, quick win for him. But you know, actually, again, you know what? Uh, I just I always I think I I always get this one backwards. I believe if you're unlocked, you don't get a win. Okay. Um, we give the, I believe what happens is you get the team gets a win um, because for their I, overall because it's like well I, I like that because I, I I could I could be absolutely have this backwards <laughs> but one of them you don't get a win and one you do I think it's team gets a win and the I, the thinking being that um you, you might scheme scheme things up like, right. Uh, we looked at it once and like Wink Martindale's defenses always had the most unblocked guys. And so it's like, okay, yeah, that is, I mean, that is credit to the defense. Um, but excuse me, but, uh, but I don't think the, the pass rusher themselves gets a, gets a win. That makes sense to me. I feel like the way you described it makes the most sense. Okay, good. Nice. <laughs> now I'm not sure. Now I, I'm kind of tempted to like go find that play and see if, uh, 
Parsons got to win. But anyway, I, I'll. Uh, but I think I think that is how it works, if I recall. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So I want you to tell me if I'm wrong here, but um, I'm like when when I go into ESPN analytics and I'm looking at the pass rush win rate, the pass block win rate, all that stuff, I seem to dive more into that stuff than the quarterback analytics because I think quarterback stuff is just so much based on play calling, you know, weapons around you, circumstances, all of that. Let's talk about some Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. Um, <laughs> I, okay. this, has been, this has been a, I mean, again, like, Obviously, Cooper Rush 4-0 in his four starts. He's 3-0 this season. There's been a ton of people who want Cooper Rush to be the new starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we've seen some stuff this week from, from you know, other sites and other, you know, metrics who are going to kind of give you a better idea that, hey, the Cowboys are winning games, but it's not totally because of the offense. That's not to take anything away from Cooper Rush and the offense because I think they've been a lot better than they were in week one when they played a powerhouse in Tampa Bay. Um but I just wanted to get your thoughts from an analytical and metric perspective on what you kind of see at the quarterback spot from Cooper Rush and what your thoughts are going forward with the uh, the quarterback controversy, as Jerry Jones would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess at the top, I would uh, I would not bench Dak Prescott for Cooper Rush. All right, you, you can stay on the podcast for the rest of the episode. I don't have to take you off. <laughs> okay. Um, so – you know, last week, Dominique Foxworth had this kind of like galaxy brain take on Dallas that like press because Prescott is better than Rush or Rush is, is worse than Prescott. And they, they know they have to do these things to help him that they end up like pulling these levers um, that are actually very helpful. And so the offense has been better. And I was like, um, that's kind of wild, but like maybe not not crazy. And I did look, I did look at, and I think we have some ability to look at what I like to call, yeah, like levers. Um, and I think what's interesting is I'm gonna go from the back to the <clears throat> to start of 2021 to now. Let's I'm gonna this is based on which quarterback started the game. Um Dak Prescott play at these are not like dramatic changes, but I think there's not nothing here. Dak Prescott, 23.6% play action. Cooper Rush, 29.2% play action. Uh, you know, it's an offensive advantage. You should 
you should more is better. Design rollouts, Dak Prescott six percent, Cooper Rush eight percent. Another one that um, if you can, depending on your offense, if you can work in design rollouts, like they perform better. Right. Uh, and then one more here, dropbacks versus eight in the box. So Prescott six percent, Rush eleven <clears> percent. <throat> idea being that. Uh, right. Like if you, if you're getting eight in the box, uh, right. It's, it's obviously easier for you to pass against the numbers bear that out as well. Um, some of that I would need to like really dive into like, uh, personnel stuff. Um, you know, are they stacking eight in the box when you're not running like 21 personnel or something, but, um, but either way, like all of those numbers do I think lend some credence to that thought? Like, I don't think that that's like that crazy. Um, so I guess, and that's, I mean, part of that too, like people bring that up all the time. Well, the offense looks different. Like it looks, looks better. And I'm like, well, don't get mad at Dak because the play caller does things different when he has like, that's not a, that's not a talent thing that's not a decision making thing that's hey we're making it easier on a guy with less and if that is the case like if Kellen Moore's going hey we got to do things different because Cooper Rush is in now that should be a in-house conversation of going why aren't we doing these things to help out our better quarterback (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely like when you have these sort of like tools and I know this is talking about play calling in a kind of basic level but like ultimately like these those things like play action like design rollouts and maybe it's, you know, last year Prescott coming off the injury, you know, how many design rollouts do they want to do or I, but they should, because those actually like, you're less likely to take a sack on those plays. Like um, those things help regardless of, of who you are. And so, yeah, I do think like maybe there's something there, but also like more broadly too, we have a really long history of Dak Prescott being a very productive, good quarterback. Um, and we have a very short history of Cooper Rush doing it. I mean, he's totally blown away my expectations. Like Absolutely. we had, like we had, I did a uh, hit on daily wager the, his, ahead of his first start um, where we were fading the Cowboys. We had Dallas with Cooper Rush as like one of the worst teams in the league. Absolutely. Um, which I don't think is like crazy at the time, right? No. You know, just like I mean, if you were going into the season with Cooper Rush as your quarterback before he before this year, you'd be like, Well, yeah, I mean, that team's gonna <laughs> suck. But uh I think so, yeah, where we were talking, I was talking about how it was like you know, they're not just going with their backup quarterback, it's a bad backup quarterback, and and how but he's blown away. I mean, fourth in QBR. How can you, you know, right? You can't gotta give him credit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's like I said, I think there is some credence to that, that theory that, Hey, why are they doing some things easier and, you know, doing some things different with one guy compared to the other. And I, I think, I mean, I, I think you can just, like you said, the the rollouts, the, the, just the way that they're scheming the the guys open. I mean, I know CD lamb week one, he had no, you know, his separation, metrics and analytics weren't great at all and then weeks two three four he was doing more stuff in the middle of the field running more drags running more stuff that's just an easier way for you to get open and mm-hmm. i know his i saw you guys posted something pretty it was either you or espn where i saw that they put it out that uh that he's like the seventh or eighth 
most set his separating rating or his Let open me pull rating. It up. So it's our, it's a open score. So it's our new, so this is one of our brand new metrics. We just launched this last week. Um, and if you think about it like this, actually, so separation is kind of a nice thing, but it's always been a sort of deeply flawed. Right. I've never used it really or relied heavily on it to like determine openness because I mean, just think of it. if I'm running a go route and you're the corner and I'm running at you and we have one yard of separation, am I open? Well, I mean, that depends. Are you in front of me or behind me? If you're in front of me, then I'm not open at all. If you are one yard behind me, I am wide open. So like just before we talk about anything else, like direction of that separation matters so much. So open score, my my colleague, Brian Burke, um, who's like one of the, you know, who's like godfather of football analytics. Like uh, he, you know, he's been in the lab working on this for a long time, w- wanting to quantify, yeah, quantify a receiver's ability to get open. Um, and so he's looking at all the things. It's controlling for factors like um, the route you're running, the coverage that is, that the receiver's pl- uh, that the defense is playing, right? Leverage. So that kind of like direction. Um, if the ball is under, the ball is under overthrown. So like if you are going deep and the ball is underthrown, then the, at, at the ball arrival, you would, you know, won't look like you're open, but the ball right. is underthrown. Um, we're also looking at openness earlier in the play as well. So at, at throw, and that allows us to, to quantify openness on, untargeted plays which i think to me is is a crucial element of this like you can't just look at at targeted plays because there's all sorts of like selection bias there like if you have if you're one really good receiver on a team uh then the quarterback's just force feeding you the ball well that's not your fault like right right? and so and um and so yeah we have this we have this new metric open score it's on a it's on a zero to 99 scale um and Oh, I'm pulling up the wrong year, but hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to get, yeah. So we've got lamb ninth right now in, in open score and it's early, you know, it's a, it's a stat that needs uh, like a, a a healthy sample really. But, uh, but yeah, four weeks in, we've got lamb ninth with a 74. That's, that's uh, really strong. He's a really low, uh, a really low catch score, um, which is, uh, I think all Cowboy fans will will realize why because of that. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be super worried about that going forward. What um I was gonna, is there a way for you guys to do that week by week or is it lump it in? Like, can you pull up that 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 open score from week one only? No, uh, no. We well, okay. I don't have an ability to right now, and we also don't want to. So, like, it's it's too way too noisy of a metric to right really play with it that look much. at on a game by game level. Right, um, and so we really want to encourage yeah season level usage. In fact, when we rolled it out, we were using a lot of twenty one plus twenty two numbers so that we could gotcha. get that sample. You're just going to get a lot of a lot of uh, kind of wild numbers. Though, to be honest with you, like if you look at the top ten of open score right now. Um, which I tweeted it, there's only two like sort of bizarre names in there. And that's Zay Jones and Ashton Doolin. And I don't even know if they're that bizarre. Like, you know, I mean, like Zay Jones is playing really well. I think that's right. right that, that's just, uh, that's just true. I guess surprising names, you, you, but yeah, in any given game, um, 
you're going to get, you're going to get wild results. And I, I think that's actually like true for a lot of metrics and, and something having spent a lot of time looking at like pass block win rate or whatever, like that linemen have bad games, just like a quarterback does, just like a receiver does. And it's like, you know, yeah, there might be a game where Zach Martin has like a bad pass block win rate. And that like, that just me, you know, it's just cause it happens just cause he had a, a, a bad day at the office, just like every other position, but we don't tend to like focus in on that for, um, for positions that aren't like quarterback or receiver or corner or something. You took it there. And that's where I was going to go next, but this offensive lines played a lot better than I think, you know, week one, it did not look good. It was rough. And then weeks two through four, I mean, it, it looks like they kind of got their stuff together and they didn't play Tampa Bay. I think that's also a very thing of uh, a very bright point. We need to point out is that Tampa Bay's defense is really, really good. And some of those other teams that we played aren't quite on that level, but from a pass block and run block win rate perspective, where do you guys currently have Dallas's line? And do you have any thoughts on where they are going forward? Yeah, we don't like Dallas's line or our, our numbers don't. This is one that really? I think has been, uh, yeah, this is one that's been quite, I think, different than reputation. So we have Dallas, and this is all four games, but we have Dallas 30th in pass block win rate, which I think is is a sh- shock, uh, eighth in run block win rate. And I think Tyler Smith is maybe a person that, it is like a pivot point there because pass block win rate, we have 63rd out of 65 tackles. And I know that the, the, wow. the dialogue has been pretty positive on him. Now, I haven't gone through and watched, um, gone through and watched his, his losses or anything like that. So I, I, I don't know exactly, but um, uh, now we're, we're high on him from a run block perspective. Um, but Which is kind of what it, what he was coming into the season. It was like, he might struggle as a pass protector, but he should be a really good run. Run right, runner. right. So, you know, like I said, I, I haven't watched them to go through, go through, but I think that is interesting because I think the, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the conversation around him has been like pretty positive. It, it, it has. And I think some of that, and I'm not trying to take shots at Tyler Smith, like he's been a lot better than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. Because when they drafted, I was like, there's no way he'll be able to be a left tackle. I said, in three years, he might be able to start working in. But I was like, he's a left guard only. And I think that if you play him at left tackle, he's going to be a disaster. And he hasn't been that. But I think that was kind of the discourse before the season. And he's been he's exceeded those expectations. So people go, oh, OK, it's not terrible. Um, but like every game, I'm like, oh, Tyler Smith grew. You know, he's doing really good things but he still has a lot of things to clean up. Like that's been like my way of approaching it. Cause I thought he was going to be God awful and he hasn't been God awful. He's just, he's still got areas to improve on things to clean up. And I think, like you said, like a lot of people right now are, Oh, th- this guy's, if Tyron Smith comes back, do we not put Tyron Smith back in the rotation? And I kind of like roll my eyes at that. Cause I'm like Tyron Smith healthy. He's still a much better left tackle than Tyler Smith. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would agree. Uh, I think it's, you know, Dallas has done a nice job of avoiding sacks, you know, or Cooper Rush has done a nice job of avoiding sacks. Um, And like we kind of talked about at the beginning, like those are not always the same thing. And and I would, if I were, you know, I would want to go through and watch uh, to like really dive in. But I think you, there really is, um, I think about like Trevor Lawrence in uh, Jacksonville, actually even last year, Trevor Lawrence was really good at, at sack avoidance, but that line is 
That's a bad line. And until this past week, Lawrence had not taken a lot of sacks. And I don't think that's really a credit to that offensive line. Um, Like Cam Rob, I said, Tyler Smith, 63rd in pass block win rate. Cam Robbins is 64th. So, and actually there's a huge gap between them. Like, uh, like a, a huge gap now that now that I now that I see it. So at least the, the two the two tackles below Tyler Smith are way below. Him, <laughs> uh, now that I'm now that I'm looking at it, but uh, but yeah, I think so. Just because Rush has not taken a ton of sacks, I don't think that that's probably partially an offensive line testament. But I think there's a there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, and I know his his time to throw has been very good from where, right. you know, he's getting the ball out quick. So, like I said, I that kind of what we talked about. Yeah. What was that? I don't have it in front of me, but I believe you. Yeah, no, no. I mean, just from from what I've kind of been reading and what I've seen, it's, you know, it seems like he's kind of what we talked about at the beginning. Is like you you can win initially. You can beat Tyler Smith, but if the ball is coming out half a second before you get to him, a lot of people watching casually watching football are going to go, Hey, that was a good play. Not, Oh, he lost that rep, you know? So. Right. And, and that by the way is also often where a disconnect with pass block win rate and general reputation comes in because when you do that, if you get rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds, we don't give the offensive line any credit on that right. play. You have to sustain your block for two and a half seconds to earn a win. And that's, I think that the thing that happens is you, people look at pressure numbers, pressure rates and sack rates. And both of those things are highly dependent on time to throw. And so um, actually we had this situation with Tampa last year, really where uh, our numbers said Tristan Wirfs was good, but that the offensive line as a whole was uh, sort of mediocre. Now Brady took really low, you know, took, took sacks at a really low rate had his pressure at a really low rate. Um, like he's done basically his entire career, uh, but he was getting the ball out super fast too. And so it was like that that's just because that he Brady's maintaining that doesn't mean that Tampa's offensive line has been, um, has been awesome. And so I think there's, there is some of that potentially going on here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, man. I got, it's not really a question, but it is um, just to get you out of here. I was going to let you close it off with, can you give us, from your standpoint, like a metric or something like that that you guys have been looking at that goes, okay, this team might be a lot better going forward than we thought it would be. And then one that goes, hey, maybe we need to pump the brakes on the Cowboys, you know, possibly still being a legit playoff contender. And there's something that really buys into them, you mm-hmm. know, making a run. And then is there something from you guys' standpoint where you go, hey, I don't, you know, maybe this is a lot more luck and bad teams than it is successful consistency and something you can sustain going forward. Good question. We didn't, so we, we didn't so you asked me the top of the show. I would have said, I would have said their, their pass block win rate as a team uh, to me, I would consider it to be like definitely troubling. Like I think um, like, yeah, I think that's going to be, I feel, that's gonna... I feel like this could be the same answer. It could be pass block win rate on offense and then pass rush win rate on defense. Right, right. Right, exactly. You got, you got but three like, guys okay, in the like, top 10. And... I mean, yeah, I, I'll def- I mean, okay, so yeah, Rams and Eagles coming up is a test for that offensive line. So I think uh, I'll be really curious to see, especially Eagles, you know. Well, Rams is interesting from an, from an interior standpoint, interior. but. Um, 
Uh, I'll be really interested to see how Dallas's offensive line holds up in the next two games here. I think yeah. that that'll be key. Yeah. That's what makes them, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. No, I don't know. I'm just trying to think here. What makes them, I mean, yeah, I do think it is that I do think it is their, their passers. I mean, uh, their defense has been good still. I think like, um, my concern going into the year was they were turnover dependent defense last year right. and uh, that they would probably be like pretty good, but not, not elite. And they've been good. So um, like, especially in past defense. So, which is, which is where you want to be your strength to be. Um, so, yeah, I do think it is pass rush though. I do like, I do think that that is the, Parsons is like your secret weapon. Like you can always, he can totally disrupt a game uh, in a way that can keep Dallas in a game that they might not have otherwise been able to to hang in. So to me, I do think that is the that is the reason for optimism. Yep, I agree. I agree. Do you do you guys do much stuff with corners? So we do. Uh, uh, like we, I use some next gen stats. Uh, stats. I think that like what I just described for receivers. Um, right. We would love to sort of do the inverse, right, with right. with corners, but it's um, it's it's more complicated. Uh, or, or you could really go up, Brian, my colleague, telling us that it's it's more complicated. I do, yeah, we do though. You know, I do certainly think there's value in some of the nearest defender metrics from NFL Next Gen stats, and um, you know, you can look at corners a variety of ways. Like it, when people ask me, what's one number? to look at for a corner. Right. If I can only choose one, I I would go with uh, yards per coverage snap or maybe EPA, EPA per coverage snap probably. Um, and because you, ha- it's just like, you have to, if you're not measuring a corner by, you have to account for the unseen, the non-target basically. Right. And so I do think it's really interesting when you look at these cor- corners who can achieve like a low yards per coverage snap number in different ways. Like you have a guy like Casey Hayward who often like just deters targets. He doesn't get targeted very often. And then you have other people like um, an AJ Terrell who are excellent at when they are targeted at preventing the um, you're going to ask about digs, right? That's what I'm, I'm like trying <laughs> to pull it up as I, as I, uh, as I, yeah, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to see Rick. Just, just again, like the whole theme of this is this team is very interesting because the Trayvon Diggs discourse coming into the year was some people thought he was terrible. Some people thought he was a Hall of Famer. And I think yeah. he probably fits somewhere in between. But I, you know, based on some of the metrics and stuff like that, I figured he probably look a little bit better this year. You know, he's still he's got two interceptions. So I think he's tied for first with picks. But I feel like the coverage, the separation isn't as bad as it was years past. Like, I feel like he's cleaned that, cleaned that, you know, yards per covered, you know, yards per target, all that that we just mentioned. I feel like that's been cleaned up. So I was curious where you had him before we got you out of here. Yeah. So he's, he's at 1.3 yards per coverage snap allowed this season, which is, he was at 1.5 last year. So that is um, an improvement. 1.3 is like, um, I think that's kind of I'm looking at it's sort of ballparky average um for like a starting corner starting outside corner um but you can't really talk about digs in, in the a yards per coverage snap 
way alone because of the value that he generates through interceptions, which are not rewarded there. So that's why I would, and I don't have easy access to uh, EPA per coverage step. So it would take me a minute, but um, that's why I would tend to lean on that. Uh, like his targeted EPA, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, is, is not special this year. So I don't think it would actually help him uh, help him out like a, a ton. Um, but I think like the answer, my best guess is kind of what you said. Like, I don't think he's like a first team all pro um, level corner, but I think he's good. So um, there is a there is a trade off with interceptions and and completions and it can, it can definitely be worth it. Like turnovers are super important. So um, uh, he's an interesting, he's an interesting player. I think that that's like, yeah, to evaluate. So that we need to do more work on evaluating defensive backs quantitatively is like what I always say, you know, I use these metrics um, a lot and I think there's value in them, but I think that you have to go into evaluating these players with the, our current suite of metrics and to, with the understanding that like there is a lot of room to grow here. Awesome. Seth, I kept you a little long, but this is great. Fantastic. Like I said, it's been a, it's been an interesting season for the Cowboys. It was over in week one. It's back in week four, hoping we can carry that, that, you know, hot wave going into week five. And I figured you'd have some numbers and some, some things for us. So the casual fan, the people who listen to this podcast might not, think about or know about or even understand. But like I said, the way you kind of describe it and the way you guys, you know, show it on Twitter and ESPN, I think it's just something that that every fan should learn about and learn to use and take that with everything else and form strong, educated opinions. So I was glad to have you on to, to do some of this with us today. Cool. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. This is great. Like I said, we'll keep following your work. Let everybody know real quick where they can find. I mean, I know you got your own Twitter and all that, but let everybody know where they can find your work and uh, where they can hear you talk and, and all that as well. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Seth Walder. Um, you know, when I write, that's usually on, or that's always, always on ESPN.com. Um, uh, I do some uh, sports betting stuff on daily wager on Fridays. So uh, check it out. Cool, man. I appreciate it, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, This was the Talk of the Star podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks again.